The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. I'd like to talk with you today about the needs you have in your life today, about the areas in your life where you need some strength. Uh, Do you need some strength maybe uh, physically, maybe you're tired, Uh, maybe you're sick? Do you need some strength in your relationships? Do you need some strength emotionally? Or maybe do you need some strength spiritually? I know a lot of you are suffering with allergies right now. And our little guy, Jack, some of you guys have met Jack. He's three and a half years old. And uh, he is just a a bundle of energy. Uh, I need to stop comparing my kids to dogs. And so... I'm sorry for that. That's inappropriate. But you know how like a, a golden lab, I had a friend who had a golden lab, or I had another friend who had a, um, an Australian shepherd. And this guy, he lived down in Phoenix. He would mountain bike like 20 miles. And the Australian shepherd would run with him the whole way, and they would get home, and the dog would not even be like even close to tired. I mean, just an inexhaustible dog, right? Well, that's kind of how Jack normally is as far as his energy level. Uh, Nothing slows him down. He'll get sick. He just keeps cruising. But these allergies, you know, his his eyes are all puffy and he's got snot kicked across his face and and he's just, he's tired. So uh, the other day we, we went out for a walk and uh, it was just a couple miles, and Jack normally walks that whole thing now, but man, really early on, he was just, he was tired, and he wasn't really keeping up, and then he tripped, and he fell. It was just not like him, and he looked up at me, and he said, you know, Dad, will you, will you hold me, uh, which means, you know, will I carry him, and I don't know if you've ever carried like a crate of water bottles, you know, from Costco or somewhere. Imagine like two of those. That's what he's that's what he's, he's like now. And so he looks up at me and says, you know, would you carry me? Of course, of course I'll carry you, buddy. Uh, I have no greater joy than to get to carry my kids to get to hold them. That's what Jack does when he's weak. I wonder, what do you do when you're weak? What do you do when you're tired? We all get tired, you know, and and this is a place where you don't have to pretend like you don't get tired, okay? We all get tired. We all have needs. We all have weaknesses. In fact, did you know that even Jesus got tired? Did you know that? Jesus had all the same kind of physical weaknesses that we have in a human body. It's important for you to know. First, you got to know Jesus was fully the one true God, okay? That's so important for you to know. He wasn't just fully a God, okay? That's the error of Mormonism, that Jesus was a God, and there's a lot of hundreds of gods, okay? Jesus was fully the one true God, but he was also fully human, and that's the error, error of the Jehovah's Witness. They say, well, he was just human. He wasn't really fully God. No, he was fully both, and if, if you miss either of those, you, you just derail into spiritual disaster, okay? Fully God, fully man. But the book of Philippians chapter 2 says that being fully the one true God, he humbled himself, stepped down into humanity, took upon him the form of a man. So even though he was still perfectly God in his nature, he had the weakness of a fallen human body. So for example, Jesus was tired sometimes. Jesus was hungry. 
Jesus knows what it's like to be thirsty. Jesus knows that, that stinging feeling if you get sweat in your eye. He knows what it feels like to get cut. He knows what it feels like to be lonely. He knows what it feels like to be rejected, to be abandoned. Not only that, he knows what it feels like to be tempted. You remember when Jesus went in the wilderness and for 40 days, Satan comes to him and just tempts him like no one else in history has been tempted. I mean, Jesus was at his weakest. He was tired. He was thirsty. He was hungry. And Jesus knows the weakness of temptation just like we do. Well, Jesus gives us a great example because every time he had a need or a weakness in his life, he did the same thing. Do you know what it was? He would go to the Father in prayer. And the New Testament gives us picture after picture of this. In fact, there was one time where Jesus was teaching all day and people were coming to him and he was healing them. I mean, from sun up to sundown, Jesus is doing ministry. And at the end of the day, he's just exhausted. And the, the gospels tell us that then he goes and he spends the whole night praying. And, and when you first see that, you think, well, boy, that's, that's really spiritual. I mean, even after he worked all day, he went and prayed all night. Well, you know, obviously it was spiritual because he's God, right? But, but you need to understand, Jesus didn't go and pray all night because he was so strong. He went and prayed because he was weak. And we see that whenever Jesus got weak, he would go in prayer to the Father. We see the same thing at Gethsemane, where Jesus is wrestling in prayer. He, he knows that the guards are about to come and get him to take him and put him on the cross. And, and he actually prays to the Father. He says, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. The cup was all the judgment for all the sins of humanity. And Jesus going to the cross was essentially drinking that for us. And he says, Father, if it's your will, let this pass from me. And he's groaning. He's in agony. He's sweating drops of blood. He's as weak as he gets. And he goes to the Father in prayer. And essentially what we're going to see when we look at the Lord's Prayer today is he kind of does what my son Jack did. He kind of goes to the Father and says, can, can you hold me? Can you take care of me? Can you meet my needs? Now, why would God the Son humiliate himself that far? Well, first, to save us from our sins. Secondly, to give us a picture. This is how we relate to God. We bring our weaknesses to him. You may remember from last week these words from the book of Matthew. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. That's a promise of Jesus for your salvation. You come to him weary and burdened by sin for salvation. But then you know what? Your salvation's secure in Christ. You're now adopted into his family. But every day you encounter new weaknesses. And every day you have a chance once again to come to him weary and burdened and to find rest in him. You could put it this way. Once you come to God one time for eternal salvation, you come to him daily. Now you come to him daily for rest and for peace for your soul. Here's our big idea today. Just as you admitted your weakness to God for salvation, 
Remember that from last week? I mean, salvation's a free gift. You don't earn it. But to receive it, you spiritually have to get down on your knees and you have to say, God, I, I, I know I'm a sinner. I've got these problems. I've got these sins. And I'm going to humble myself and admit that to you. And I want you to be my savior. Jesus, I want your forgiveness from the cross. So we access this free salvation by admitting our needs, by humbling ourselves before God. Well, in the same way now, this is how you grow spiritually, is every day you go back to God. You don't have to ask him to resave you, okay? Once you're adopted into his family, you're in his family. You, you, you can run away, but you can't get out, okay? <laughs> you're stuck spiritually, all right? But every day we come back to him with that same humility to say, God, I need you, and that's how we grow spiritually. In fact, this is the secret to spiritual growth. You know, if if you've known Christ for a day or a week, or maybe you've known Christ for 60 years, whether you're growing or not all depends on this. Are you going to God? And if you want to be growing, it's this simple. Keep going to God. Keep going to God. In fact, because you guys look a little tired, why don't you turn to your neighbor and with enthusiasm say, keep going to God. To God. Keep going to God. It's like, you know, when you take your car in for a major repair, and then afterwards the mechanic says, okay, you know, I kind of resurrected the car from the dead, but now if you want it to stay healthy, you know, here's what you do. You got to be changing the oil. You got to do these other things, right? Or, Or you get married, or you have a baby, and the, the doctor says, here's your baby. Now you, got, you need to take care of it, right? Well, your salvation was given to you by God. You didn't earn it. You don't have to maintain your salvation. But if you want to have a right relationship with God, if you want to be growing in him, then you keep coming to him daily with the needs in your life. When we have weaknesses and problems, our, our natural tendency is we just want to solve them, right? We just want to fix them. But we're going to see today that God, he's actually at work in those weaknesses and in those needs to draw us closer to him. And, and so the big idea today is to do what my son Jack did and, and to look up to him and say, can you hold me? Can you pick me up? Can you help me? We're going to see that theme here in Matthew chapter 6 as we look at the Lord's prayer, Matthew 6, 9 verse 13. You know, in the context here, some disciples had asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, you know, you're God. How do we pray? Teach us to pray. And you would kind of expect a big, long, elaborate religious prayer, right? But that's not what we get. We get a very simple prayer from Jesus. Let's look at the first half of it in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... So first of all, I mean, this was radical for, to, for people to call God their father. Okay, Jesus says right off the bat when you pray, you remind yourself, he's your father. He's a good, perfect, loving father. You're his child. Hallowed be your name or set apart, holy, amazing is your name. In other words, this is a respect. God, you're my father and, and I respect you. I respect that you are in control of the universe. And so because of that, let your kingdom come. 
God, today I acknowledge that in the unseen realm, your kingdom is advancing. And Lord, I pray today that your kingdom would be advancing in the earth, that, that evil would be on the, the decrease and that your kingdom would be on the increase. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. So God, you're my father, you're big, you're in control. And today, Lord, my life is not about me and my kingdom and my little house and my little yard and my little castle. And, and it's not about my will being done. It's about your kingdom and your will. Now, these next words from Jesus are so important. And, and right before we put them on the screen, I want to challenge you with this. Okay, a lot of you have heard the Lord's Prayer over and over, so we tend to hear it or see it through kind of a religious churchy filter, okay? I, I want you to see these words that Jesus gives us the way you'd see them as just a son talking to his, his dad, to a good dad, okay? So here they are. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, our mistakes, as we have forgiven our debtors. God, there's other people in our lives who wrong us. Not only do I need your forgiveness again every day, but I ain't going to need you to help me forgive the people around me. And Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. That's it. That's the end of the prayer. The Lord's prayer is a cry for provision from a child, not my words, but Jesus' words, to a father. The Lord's Prayer is a cry for provision from a child to a father. I told you guys about Zoe last week. She's one year old. She's crawling. She's standing. She will walk if you hold her hands, but she's not walking on her own yet. Well, we have these, these plastic push cars at our house, you know, where like the handle's about here. It's a little car that the kids sit on. And Jack, you know, he just, he does laps with them, you know, zooming around the house. Well, now Zoe's uh, big enough that she can crawl up there and she can hold on to the handles, but that's it because her toes barely touch the ground. She can't really move herself on it, right? So, so I'll push her and we'll chase Jack. And it's great fun because you know, where there's wood floor, we can like, we can drift. If you know what drifting is, you know, we can go around turns really fast. And, and uh, it's awesome. It's a really fun time. And we chase Jack and I get tired and he doesn't. And, you know, it's a really good time. But Zoe does this thing since she can't talk with words yet, where she'll get, you know, we'll be hanging out in the living room and she'll climb up on there and she'll just look for me. And she'll make eye contact with me and she'll just go, eh, eh, eh. And, and, you know, the translation is essentially like, dad, come push me really fast, you know. Dad, come push me. Because, you see, she's strong enough to, to climb up on the thing, but, but then she's too weak. You know, she couldn't move herself on that thing if she wanted. Her feet barely touched the ground, and even if they did, her legs aren't strong enough. She's, she's too weak. And this is the point of the Lord's Prayer is to kind of groan to the Father like that and say, God, you know, if, if you don't come, I can't move. God, I need you. God, come to me. In fact, later in Romans chapter 8, 
when God's talking about prayer, he uses that word groaning, that that's part of our prayers spiritually is, is a groaning of, of saying, God, come to me, help me. So when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we see, God, you know, I'm weak without you. I need you for my daily bread. I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me forgive others. I need you to keep me from evil. These are the daily weaknesses that we all have. And if we'll humbly confess them in prayer, they draw us to the heart of the Father. Just the way that when Jack or Zoe calls out for me and I go to them, it, it draws my heart to them, right? It creates a, a bond for us. And in the same way, when you call out that way to your heavenly Father, it draws you to his heart. You know, a lot of times when we think of our needs, our weaknesses, prayer, we think of the biggies, right? The, the epic needs, you know, when you're in the hospital, when you're, you know, looking for a house or for a spouse or for a job or a job interview and absolutely bring those needs to God, okay? He wants, he wants to hear them. He wants to meet you in them. But what's so fascinating about the Lord's Prayer is it's about, you know, smaller stuff. And, and Jesus, I'm sorry if this humiliates you like it humiliates me, kind of says, you know, every day you have a lot more needs, way more needs than you know. And so learn to stop denying them and ignoring them and trying to fix them on your own and learn to come to your heavenly father and surrender to his kingdom and will and then just lay them all before him and say, dad, I need this. Dad, I need that. Weakness and prayer kind of go together like breathing and oxygen. I mean, our weakness draws us to pray. And in fact, every, you know, weakness of our souls is like a, it's like a puzzle piece that fits into God, his sufficiency. He's enough to meet every need in your life and nothing else can. So when we run off to these other things to meet even these smaller needs and these smaller weaknesses, uh, well, it doesn't work. So, okay, let's, oh, here's what we see. Sorry, I skipped this. Weakness helps me know what's broken in my life so I can come to the one who heals me. Okay, that's the whole point of it. Weakness helps you know what's broken in your life so that you can come to the one who heals you. Weakness opens our eyes to see I need a provider. I need a healer. I need a helper. So we're going to look here in the Lord's Prayer at five daily weaknesses. These are five weaknesses that you have today that I have today. And you're probably like, well, I didn't come to church to be told that I have a bunch more weaknesses than I thought. But the good news is God wants to meet you in every one of these weaknesses. He wants to draw you closer to himself. First one we see is physical weakness. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. I wonder what physical weakness you have in your life right now. Maybe it's sickness. Uh, maybe it's just being tired. But I think it's so important that we notice Jesus' choice of words. He says, our daily bread. In other words, Lord, give me enough for today. Makes you think of 
uh, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, when he says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. You know, he kind of says, little children, you know, come to me every day and say, this is what I need today, and I'll take care of you. But let me just tell you in love, you're not big enough to handle worrying about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next. It's going to weigh you down. So just come to me for what you need today and then get this. You have to trust me that I'm going to be there tomorrow. I was thinking about this. So many of our emotional needs and weaknesses, our fear, our anxiety, our worry, they all grow out of this. Us not worrying about today's needs, but worrying about tomorrow's needs and next month's needs and the needs of the year. And you know what? That will always overwhelm you. You can't handle that. You know, if you're thinking, well, what if the car breaks down the next month? Do we have enough in savings? What if I lose my job? Uh, you know, what if I, something happens to one of the kids? You know, uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan wisely, okay? But God says, come to me and say, this is what I need for today. And, and this word daily bread is so cool because when Jesus said this, you know what the Israelites would have thought of our daily bread? They would have thought of the book of Exodus when God tells the Israelites they're out in the desert and they have no food and, and he, he miraculously sends bread from heaven, right? They wake up, they walk out of their tent doors and there's just bread everywhere. And God says through Moses, he says, tell the people, just take enough for today. I mean, there's bread everywhere, right? And you're in the wilderness. What's the the natural inclination. Well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, get baskets. So I'm going to fill my tent up with bread. And God says to Moses, tell them to just take enough for today. Why? Because tomorrow, when you wake up and open your tent, it's going to be there again. And God says, I want my people to learn to live in this trust that I'm already in tomorrow. I've already provided for tomorrow. And when you get to tomorrow, I will be there. So today, just ask me for what you need today. And, and you know what that means for someone like me? That means saying, okay, God, you know, here's my needs for today. And additionally, I need you to give me the grace to trust that you're going to be there tomorrow. I need you to give me the grace to trust that when I wake up tomorrow, you're going to be there waiting to meet my daily needs just like you are today. Well, I wonder in what area of your life do you need this truth right now? In what area of your life do you need to not worry about the future for your kids, for your finances, for your health, but to obey Jesus' simple words when he says, do not worry about tomorrow and to come to the Father and say, Father, here's my needs today. And additionally, I need the grace to not worry about tomorrow because you're going to be there. I need the grace to trust you that much, to know you that much, to love you that much. Well, next, we all have spiritual weaknesses every day. We all have spiritual weakness every day. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins 
our mistakes. Did you know that, you know, you're, gonna, you're still going to mess up every day in your life, spiritually? You, even though God has bought you, and 2 Corinthians 5 says, now you're a new creation, Philippians 1 promises you, he who began a good work in you, he's going to be faithful to complete it. But you know what? While he's completing this work, you're going to see all sorts of flaws in yourself spiritually. And that's okay. Because every day, your heavenly Father's waiting to forgive you. So you, this prayer is about humility. So I come and say, God, I need you for my physical needs. I need you for my spiritual needs. Where do you need God spiritually today? The book of James tells us this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is a humility to come to God and say, God, I'm going to mess up again today, or I already have messed up again today. I need you to forgive me again. Jeremiah 29, 13 promises you this, seek him, seek the Lord with your whole heart and you will find him. You know, reach out to him. He reaches back out to you but you seek him with your whole heart. That's your intersection of your mind and your will and your emotions and your soul. And and you give it all to God. That includes your weaknesses. It includes your flaws. Third weakness that we all have today is relational weakness. You know, Lord, help me to forgive others too. Because you forgive me, would you help me to forgive others? wonder what kind of relationship needs you have in your life today. There's a pastor uh, who uses an analogy. He says, you know, I used to think of life as mountaintops and valleys. You know, when things are great, we're on the mountaintop. And when things are bad, we're in the valley. And he said, you know, the longer I've lived, I've realized it's, it's not that simple. Uh, he says, it's more like there's two rails that you're on this track in life and one is bad and one is good and they're both always with you. You know, and this is a guy who has, you know, written a national bestseller while his wife has breast cancer. Who's, you know, being used of God in powerful ways as an adult child passes away before him. You know, there's good and bad in life. In this fallen world, they're both always going to be with you And that's true of your relationships, okay? So when you look at your spouse or your marriage and you say, you know what, it's not perfect. Do you know what it is? It's normal. It's normal, okay? And and you can just accept that. There's a humility to saying, you know, God, every day I'm going to mess up with the people around me and hurt them and they're going to mess up and hurt me. And I can just accept that up front and I can go to my heavenly father to get all the things I need, the acceptance, the affirmation. Instead of looking to people who are going to let me down for those things, I can look to him. And there's this humility to say, God, I need you today physically. I need you spiritually. I need you in my relationships. Every day we need God in these ways. And next, every day we need God to help us with the weakness of temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Did you know that you never get to a place where you're so spiritual that you're not tempted? 
Did you know there's nothing wrong with being tempted? You know, some of you are living under some false guilt and shame, but, you know, just being tempted is a sin. No, Jesus, who was perfectly sinless, was tempted, okay? You are going to be tempted until the day you leave this earth. And guess what? The, the more you grow in Christ, the more there's a target on, on your back spiritually. Because you're starting to help other people grow in Christ. You're starting to bear fruit. And the enemy who, Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, he prowls about like a roaring lion, he's going to be out to get you. So, so Jesus says, have the humility to every day say, God, keep me far from temptation. There's another verse in Scripture that says, let him who thinks he stands take heed because he's going to be the one who falls. You know, so if you think, oh, I'm so spiritual, there's not really any temptations in my life. Well, you know what? <laughs> there's probably something going on in your life that you're not even aware of. You know, there's this humility in the Lord's Prayer. God, I, I have these needs every day. Physically, I have needs. Spiritually, in my relationships. And Lord, every day, keep me from temptation. Final category overlaps with that. I call it the contamination weakness. Where Jesus says, deliver us from the evil one. In other words, this whole world is contaminated with evil. So even though you're a new creation in Christ, you've got this new heart in you, you're going around in this infected, fallen world, and you get contaminated. And there's an evil one who, who does want to destroy your marriage, who does want your children who does want to see you caught back up in the sins that Christ freed you from so that he can sideline you. And, and he is a real enemy. And, you know, in, in Christian circles, there's, there's camps that kind of overdo this and there's camps that underdo it, right? There's some Christian circles where, you know, anything that goes wrong is, is a, a demon hiding behind a bush, right? And, you know, you have allergies and, and you know, it's a demon and they can overdo it. So maybe sometimes we overreact and... and we forget about spiritual warfare. But Jesus tells us, very short, simple prayer, every day ask God to protect you from it. Ask him to keep the evil one away from you. So all these weaknesses, you know, I think we don't like to acknowledge them because in our nature they paralyze us. They make us afraid. And Jesus kind of says, here's how you pray. Tell God he's in control. And, and then run through this laundry list of how weak you are. Did he tell us that so that every day we'd be paralyzed in fear or discouraged? Now, here's why he told it to us. Instead of paralyzing or discouraging me, I can use every weakness in my life essentially as a doorway. I walk into that weakness and I step deeper into my relationship with Christ. So as a result, you know, before Christ, I was defined by my weakness, right? I was a sinner. I was separated from God by my flaws. But now, if you're in Christ, your weaknesses no longer define you. You realize that? Your weaknesses no longer define you. What does your relationship with God defines you? That you're his daughter, you're his son, you're his child, that's what defines you in the universe. 
So in the Lord's Prayer, we make ourselves aware of our weaknesses. That's a big step for us Americans, right? It's a big step. We make ourselves aware of our weaknesses. We own them. But then we acknowledge that because of Christ, we're not defined by them. And we're not paralyzed by them. You know your weakness, but even more, you know the strength of your heavenly Father. And so you can say with boldness, give us today our daily bread. I was looking at the, at the grammar in the Lord's Prayer, nerdy, I know, and I realized something this last week that I had never realized before, and that's this. This, you know, give us today can be taken as an imperative. You know what an imperative is? It's a command. So if someone says, you know, call so-and-so, print so-and-so, stand up, jump, run, do this, do that, those are all imperatives. They're command verbs, right? Give us is an imperative. There's a, there's a brash, bold bossiness about this part of the prayer that only a child could have to their parent. And Jesus says, pray this way. Here's what I think of when I think of this verb. There's, you know, there's all sorts of classes of kids, right? And, and we love them all. There's, there's dorky kids. That was me. You know, there's sporty kids. There's all these different classes of kids, okay? And now, now, please don't be offended. I'm not speaking about anyone in this room, okay? But there's a class of little girls that I call future prison wardens of America. <laughs> because... They're just bossy, right? And uh, my office over at the Rosser building, my office, I have these glass windows that actually on the other side of the windows is the preschool playground. So, you know, I usually have the shades just, just drawn. Sometimes I'll be on the phone, like doing a uh, national radio interview, and all of a sudden I hear like a avalanche of stones. There's these little rocks, you know, and they'll throw them all at my window. It's, it's good times, okay? But one day... One day I had my curtains open, and uh, I'm just working along. And I look out there, and there's like six kids all laying on the ground, like they're sleeping. And there's a little girl who I don't know, but she fits this category, okay? And she's walking around all of them, and she's like, nope, back to sleep, back to sleep, don't open your eyes. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, that little girl is hilarious, But there's a way that kids can do that to parents, you know. That's kind of what Zoe does when she's on her thing, right? She's like, hey, you know, come on, push me, right? Now, as Zoe gets older, you know, obviously I'm not going to take commands from her for everything she wants to do in her life. But when she has a healthy desire that's a fun thing to do, she can come to me with a boldness that some other people might not, right? And this is what God talks about in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. He says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Come to God with this bold confidence. You can run to him. You can jump up in his lap. The holy of holies, you can crash right in there because Jesus has purified you and now you're God's son. You're his daughter. And there's this confidence that you have in Christ that no one else in the universe has unless they're in Christ. There's an old picture, a black and white photo. I think it was on Time Magazine. It's President John F. Kennedy talking on the phone in the Oval Office in the White House, right? I mean, he's probably talking Soviet era to some, you know, 
hugely important person. And there, underneath the desk, at his feet, is his son playing. Well, you know, when he hangs up on that phone call, his son can say, you know, hey, Dad, can I get a candy bar? Can I get a drink? Or His son can talk to him in ways that no one else in the world would talk to the President of the United States, right? That's the idea here. It's, it's not a bossiness of, oh, I'm going to tell God what to do, right? Because your whole prayer started with, God, you're huge, you're in control, I respect you, I'm submitting my life, I want it to be about your kingdom, I want your will to be done, not mine. And God, as your daughter, as your son, I need some food today. I need some help with this. Dad, I'm tired. Dad, I'm, I'm thirsty. Dad, I'm lonely. Dad, I'm struggling. Dad, can you help me financially? Dad, I want to love my spouse, but I do not understand them, and I, I cannot do it on my own. Will you help me? Dad, I've, I, I want to raise these kids for you, but I am exasperated. Can you help me? And you come to him with a, a boldness of a child coming to a perfectly loving father. And you bring him the needs in your life with a confidence. Why? Because of who he is. A confidence that he is compassionate and he does care and he does want to help and he does want to meet your needs. I think for so many of us, this is what stunts our growth spiritually. This is why we stop coming to God is we don't actually believe that he's a God who hears us and who longs for us to crawl up in his lap, longs to hold us, longs to help us. See, the more we know our Father in heaven, the more we find security, and comfort, confidence, and acceptance for today. Not in the people around us, not in our circumstances, but in our heavenly identity. And then the more we do that, the less we're controlled by fear, the less we're controlled by worry, the less we're controlled by lust, and all these other things that are false ways of meeting our legitimate needs. And anytime you go to one of those other things to meet your need for love, for compassion, for security, for respect, it hurts the people around you. But you go to God to meet those needs, and he makes you more like Christ, and then he uses you to help the people around you. Well, if there's a childlike boldness or, you know, bossiness, for lack of a better word, in declaring our needs to him, there's an equal and offsetting humility when we say every day, forgive me. God, I'm broken before you and help me forgive others. And Lord, I need you to lead me away from temptation because I'm weak to it. And I need you to protect me from the enemy. It's a sincere humility that has a self-awareness, a spiritual self-awareness and an ownership that says, Lord, every day I mess up. Every day I need your forgiveness. Every day my relationships will be more than I can handle on my own. Every day being the man or woman you've called to me to be is more than I can be on my own and I need you. 
if you don't help me, if you don't push this thing, I'm not going to be moving spiritually. This is why God says of so many Christians in James 4, verse 3, he says, very simply, you have not because you ask not. Ask God to make you a better wife. Ask God to make you represent him better at your job. Ask God to help you with your fear. Ask God to help you with your life. Just, just come and ask him. And come boldly. Finally did our taxes. And my favorite thing about taxes, and, and this is, I don't have many favorite things about taxes, is dependence, right? Deductions. Walking deductions. Children. Why are they called a dependent? Well, because they depend on you for what they're going to drink, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what they're going to learn. They're dependent on you for everything. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us that in the universe, we are dependents. We are children. We're not self-sufficient, self-sustaining, powerful Americans. We're children in the universe. And if we don't have our Heavenly Father, we're as helpless as sheep among wolves against our spiritual enemy. And, and we're, you know, we're like lemmings to jump to our own death in our sin and in our mistakes. And every day we come as children to the Heavenly Father to say, thank you that you're so big. Thank you that you're in control. Lord, here are my needs. And, and you know them, but I'm coming to you to meet them. I want you to close your eyes and just hear these things about your Heavenly Father, okay? Where... I am weak, he is strong. Where I am broken, he is healer. Where I am tempted, he is protector. Where I'm beaten down, he's the one who builds me up. Where I'm struggling in sin, he has defeated sin. Where I'm wrestling to be content, he is contentment. Where I am lonely, he is closer than a brother. Where I'm rejected and abandoned, he is always with me. Where I'm resentful or bitter, he is love. Where I'm forsaken, he's a friend who never leaves me or forsakes me. He's a God who loves you more faithfully than a mother. He's a God who hears your cries. He's a God who sees your suffering. He's a God who knows your needs and he longs every day for you to find your strength in him, for you to bring your weakness to him so that you can find your very identity and yourself in him. He's your heavenly father. He's your heavenly father. He's your heavenly father. And so he tells us in John 1, 12, to all who received him, if you've believed in the name of Christ, you have the right you're a child of God. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says that those of us who are children of God, you no longer have to be a slave of fear. Fear used to run your life. But now you can come to your Abba Father who frees you from fear. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Do you realize it, child of God? Do you realize that you're his son, 
Do you realize that you're his daughter? And when you pass through the waters, he'll be with you. When you find yourself in a stormy sea in life, he'll say, peace be still to your soul. When you're too busy, he makes you lie down in green pastures. When you stumble, he picks you up. When you cry, he's near to the brokenhearted. When you fail, he's compassionate and forgiving and good. When you reject him, he pursues you. When you sin, he forgives you. When your heart fails, he's the strength of your heart and your portion forever. When you're lonely, he's at your right hand. When you're hungry, he's the bread of life. When you're thirsty, he's living water. When you're weary, he gives you rest. And when you wait on him, he renews your strength. He restores your soul. He creates in you a clean heart. And Isaiah 40 promises us, when you'll talk to him, when you'll bring him your needs, when you'll wait on him, he'll make you soar on wings like eagles. This is your heavenly father. Let's pray to him now. Father, Lord, you see the weaknesses and the needs in all of our lives. And Lord, for some of us, it's just a pile. It's an avalanche of needs and weaknesses, hurts, brokenness, loneliness, sin struggles, temptations, attacks from the enemy, broken relationships. Lord, we have so many needs. We have so many weaknesses. Would you teach us to bring you our daily needs? Would you, would you anchor us today in our identity as sons and daughters of the King? Would you give us that boldness to come before the throne of grace, knowing that you long to scoop us up in your arms? You long to pick us up and hold us and heal us and provide for us. Father, thank you that your forgiveness is as deep as the oceans and as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, where we have looked to other things to meet these needs in our souls. Men in here who have been looking to their careers to tell them that they're valuable. Today, Lord, they bring that need to you. You tell them they're valuable. Lord, sisters in here who, who are enslaved in fear, and it controls everything they do, it controls their relationships and their lives and their households. Lord, tell them today that you're in tomorrow and you control tomorrow. And today you're going to give them their daily bread. Father, those in here enslaved by sin, today they come to you to say, Lord, here's my need. Forgive us this debt. And we claim for it, Romans 8, that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that every day you wash our sins away. And Lord, let us be a people who learn to live as sons and daughters of the King. Let us learn to be a people who are open about our weaknesses, who know our weaknesses, not so they can paralyze us, so they can propel us to you. And in your presence, we're made whole. And we find everything that we need for life 
and for godliness. Lord, as we leave here today, let us leave here anchored in you and let us live lives that daily we bring our needs to you and find that you are more than enough. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.